are in a series of messages that we've called Dawn is Coming. If you're just jumping in now, we're taking some time this fall to look through the book of 1 Peter. Yeah. It's a New Testament letter, and it has been so, so, so powerful. Have you enjoyed it so much? Woo! Going through it? It's been so good. I just love, uh, I love growing together, and I love opening God's Word together, and uh, just the power of that, and even just um, as we're studying God's Word together on our own as well as we're even just taking a moment every day to study a few verses and to dig a little deeper. And um, has anyone been enjoying that also? I, yeah. I just, I'm growing and learning yeah, and great. loving it. So it's if you so are great. just jumping in now or watching on TV, uh, we're also, as we study it on the weekends, also just individually going through it, reading a little bit at a time, which is challenging for me because I like quantity. Like I'm a, like through the Bible in a year, read my three chapters. So like this is like two verses. I'm like, huh. So, it's like a tic-tac. Yes. Well, at the beginning of the year, Levi and I started reading through the Bible together because a few times we've gone through the Bible together. Lots of times. A lot of yeah. times. And, but this year, uh, he lost me. Like I, you had to read like three, four chapters a day. And that's just a lot. Like when I wake up in the morning. Today we're in Luke. So I like to joke. I'm like, how are you liking that reading plan? Isn't it so good? Because I know I lost her in like Deuteronomy. I know. It's true. It's just, it's hard to like read a lot and feel like you're getting like so much information and then like pick one thing to just carry, carry you through the day. I feel like yeah. I need like one verse. Sometimes it's one word that yeah. just like carries me through the day before the kids Someone said a long time ago, I don't remember who I heard say this. They said, you should read the Bible until God speaks to you, then stop. Because to go any further is unnecessary. You need to live that out today. Mm. So it has been cool to go through it and to slow my roll a little bit. I'm still reading my big plan, though, so don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing both. It's okay. We're all right. But either way, we are glad that, that you're with us. And well, we've made it to First Peter chapter 3, so brand new chapter. This week's got that new chapter smell to it. Mm. That's so good. It's a great. Often imitated, never duplicated, right? You can't, they get the new car smell on the air freshener. It does not smell like a new car, FYI. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, you can't duplicate it. Nope. So 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. The title of our message is Where Beauty Comes From. Yeah. Write that down. Where Beauty Comes From. You ever, you ever see someone like wearing something, you're like, hey, where'd you get that? And they're like, thrift store. You're like, oh. Because... <laughs> They know they can't get it. Or you're kind of like happy though, I think, when because like you don't really want to say Zara, because you kind of don't want everybody in your life to have the same thing you have. <laughs> so I think sometimes you're kind of happy when you can say this is one of a kind, mm. right? Yeah. Because sometimes things come from like unlikely places. Like, oh, where'd you get those abs? They're made in the kitchen. Burn, right? <laughs> right? Because you can't. It's not like a, equipment at the gym that gives you abs. It's how right. you eat. It's how you eat mostly. Yeah. It's true. Unfortunate. <laughs> If it only could be that you get that thing as seen on TV and now you have abs, like, right? It's like, I can't have like, like raw cookie dough for dinner and have abs. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> I have a friend who bought that machine that like attaches to your belly and like says that it just, your this abs appear. I'm working out. <laughs> you have a friend that did that? I won't say your name. You have a former friend that did that? In Whitefish. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So what we're talking about where beauty comes from, because it's, it's not necessarily where you think it would be. Right, right. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 1. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives 
when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. And then after speaking to the ladies for a minute, he turns his attention and Peter pivots speaking to the, the men in verse 7 where he says, husbands, in the same way, and you'll want to underline that, that phrase in the same way. Why? Because it's now been repeated. Mm. And in the scriptures, repetition is one of the ways that God reveals importance. So when you see something happen again and again and again, it's not for no reason. So we, we started this chapter with wives in the same way. And then he began to speak to the wives. And so when he says to the husbands, in the same way, uh, we'll figure out later. But that's a key uh, phrase to this whole passage. All right. So husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I love that the women have six verses and the men have one verse. Yeah, it's funny. It's like we as women just needed a little bit more detail, a little more of the why, how, who. Just tell you me a little questions. bit more information. Is there an Old Testament example of what this looks like? <laughs> right? For the and, men. And I like that the men, it's not only short and sweet, but it has to have like a threat at the end of it. It's like, what happens if I don't do this? God won't listen to your prayers. All right. right? It's like just one thing, say it slowly and give me some blunt force trauma on the end of it. And that's, we're good. Oh, it's so true though. Hilarious. What a woman needs, just details. Yeah, right? Give us the details. Um, I love this so much. Um, where beauty comes from. Where beauty comes from. Where beauty comes from. Um, I love that uh, Peter starts with the women. Wives. First of all, wives. In the same way, be submissive to your husbands. And he, first of all, starts with, um, so that if any of them do not believe the word, if yeah, any wow. of them do not know God, They'll be won over by, by your behavior, by your actions, by your, in, and one trans, translation says, in your chaste conduct or your pure behavior, how you live your life can win over your husband. And some and, historical context would probably be helpful. Of yeah. course, Peter's writing to Christians who in the year 62 AD or so, just, just 30 years after Christ rose from the dead, are going through difficulties and suffering. And he's talking about lots of different ways you can suffer and lots of different ways life can be hard. And one of the ways he's addressing as he begins this section is there were evidently a lot of women in the Roman Empire in this day throughout Asia Minor who were married to men who didn't have faith yet. Now, most commentaries will suggest that uh, this is indicating that they were saved after they were married. Here's these, these, these people living, and uh, why is it that so many wives were coming to faith? Well, let me just say something. There's a spiritual receptivity in the heart of a woman. Right. And uh, why is it that so many times you'll have uh, Christian women who, who have husbands who don't know the Lord or don't believe in God or maybe know God but don't really walk actively with God? There's something in the heart of a woman that causes there to be just a spiritual receptivity right. and a sensitivity to the heart of God. Now, now, what's cool about it is Peter 
is giving them a strategy for evangelism that they may be a part. Having come to know Jesus, how can they be a part of winning their husbands to the Lord as well? Yeah. Because as it is stands, it stands, they're in a difficult situation. And if you're here and you're married to someone who doesn't know God, let us just say to you, hey, we honor you for the yeah. difficulty that you face every day. That right. can be super challenging. Right. And we don't want to shame you. We don't want to shame your, your spouse. And, and, and as we enter into a subject where we're talking about marriage, let me just let you know this. Here's, here's, here's the elephant right there in the room. That can be a difficult conversation. Yeah. To talk about marriage, it's like, oh, I've been divorced. Crap, I'm the worst, right? Or I've, I've been through this, or I'm currently separated. Or this. Let me just tell you something. Uh, we're not here to shame you for your past. We want to fight for you for your, for your future. Yeah. We are, we are for right. you. God is for you. God has plans Amen. for your life. That's this right. isn't a church where only perfect people are allowed because none of us would be allowed to be up in here, okay? Right. So regardless of what you're going through, just, just relax and, and just know this, that you're among friends and we care for you and God God loves you regardless of what you've been through in this life. Right, right where you're at. Right where you're at. Right where you're at. Um, but I love, I love how he's saying it's, it's actually what you're living out. It's actually the, the beautiful life that you're living in uh, for these wives for their husbands isn't um, from the outward. It's not just from the outward, it, it comes from within. Another version says, cultivate um, inner beauty, the beauty that is inside. And- um, Look at that, cultivate inner beauty. Gentle, gracious, God delights in it. That's where true beauty comes yeah. from. Because man looks at the outward appearance, woman looks at the outward appearance. We're, we get so easily duped by the superficial. And even in the dating process, you know, you're here, you're thinking, like, who am I going to date? Who, I need to find a mate, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the temptation is always going to be just to look at the external beauty. But of course, that fades. Remember a few months ago when all of us were downloading that app that made us look like we're 98 years old, right? <laughs> it's coming. It's real. Find something deeper, y'all. Find something on the inside, oh. right? That's a reality because yeah. the, the truth is we, we, we superficially approach it. Well, this per why are you dating this person? Bro, have you seen how hot she is? She's smoking hot. Like, what about that guy? Oh, my gosh. Have you seen how good looking he is in the car and the money? Look, all of that can fade in a minute. Right. And where true beauty comes from is from the heart. It doesn't make right. physical attraction unimportant. It just certainly shouldn't be the most important thing. Right. What will life be like if it's for worse and not for better? What happens if you want to use in a wheelchair? What happens if, 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 if all of a sudden, you know, God forbid someone's health is, takes a turn for the worse? What kind of a spouse will they be in difficulty times? Because the whole she's hot conversation, bro, let me just say, so is hell. Okay, so you got to look <laughs> deeper than That's right. that. That's right. Well, in verse 3, it says, your beauty should not come from outward adornment. Like, it's not that it's bad to have, your, to have makeup and to have your hair done and to wear um, have great style. Like that's not bad. That's actually great. I think it's so great for us to lean into um, what we love. If we love to wear sweats and a hat, do it. If you love to do your hair, awesome. Um, but something that I've been considering and thinking for myself is when I wake up in the morning, how much time am I preparing my body for the day? Like, okay, a shower. All right, I'm going to get dressed. Okay, makeup. Okay, mascara. Okay, hair. Like how long does it take me to get ready? And if it if I start from, if, if I'm from start to finish, it's probably like an hour because uh, when I was growing up, I'm the oldest of eight kids. I had to take literally like a minute shower. And so I had to get in and get out. So now it's like, oh, I'm just going to be luxurious with my time. And so um, I have longer showers. Even when I say I'm going to take a quick shower, it's not quick. But, um, 
But how long am I spending preparing my... There's like my... two levels though, because if you're like, I'm going to not wash my hair, it's a faster shower. Yes. And at this point, I'm like, we should have stock and dry shampoo because I feel like I'd be a wealthy man. Beanies. Like there's, We're in beanie there's levels of shower, but not wash hair, shower, but wash hair. Then there's the, where's Jenny? She's been gone for three hours. It's the shower of I'm treating yourself, right? No, Parks and recreation so type shower, yeah. But that is one thing. I went to a school that needed uh, uh, uniforms when I was in starting fourth grade. And I just... Actually, the other a couple weeks ago, I bought this camo flannel. And if you've seen me recently, you've probably seen me in this. I, I was actually going to wear it today, but I was like, maybe I should wash it. But I literally wore it like a, a, every day for Keep a something week. to yourself, Jenny. <laughs> I'm telling everyone. But I mean, a uniform would just be so helpful. Yeah, it does make anyway. sense. Steve Jobs had it right. Let's all wear turtlenecks, right? Yes. All I'm trying to say is. <laughs> Someone just objected violently to that. You know. Mitch Hedberg said the problem with wearing a turtleneck is you feel like someone with a weak grip, grip with a weak grip is trying to strangle you all day. That's the problem. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, how much time you prepare in the morning to get your outer self ready right. versus how much time are you spending each day preparing your soul for the That's day? That's a great, great point. And, and I'm not saying this to be like, you got to spend this much time getting ready. And if you, get, if you spend that much time, then you have to spend the same amount of time with God. But just being aware of that, like, okay, I'm putting so much effort into my outward appearance, but why am I not putting that same care and effort into my time spent with God, into the that. practice of being in his word? and spending time with him where that's actually where true beauty really comes from right. and focusing on that. And I'm not against a manicure or a pedicure or anything outward. I think that it's important. I don't really like them. I think it's important. I, I like no, no, feeling... Just, I like it on you. When you dragged me to get a pedicure that time, I did not enjoy it. We I didn't like family. It was making me giggle so much when they were touching my feet. Giggle? Just giggly. <laughs> I never would describe myself as giggly until I'm like, oh gosh, what are you? It's like a scene from Dumb and Dumber. I was like, I'm crying. Oh my gosh. It was not a good experience. Right. I, okay, we but won't what, do it again. But, but it's true because what you're saying, I would never go out in public without brushing my teeth. I'm, I'm, I want to get the sleep out of my eyes and wash my face and put a little sunscreen on, right? But. When it comes to our souls, how many times have I forced the world to confront a version of my soul that's not at its best? Hasn't been and, and, and ready. And pampered it a little bit and taken some time. And for me, knowing like what, what it takes for me to be at my best, and I'm learning that over time. Like mm -hmm. I need time of quiet. I need that, that peaceful time uh, with Jesus with a cup of coffee. I need that journaling. And if I'm not getting those things, you're not getting a better version of me. The kids aren't getting a better version of me. The team here at Fresh Life, anybody I'm interacting with, I want to give the world a version of my soul that's beautiful. Yeah. And that can't happen on its own. You don't wake up with your soul perky. You don't wake up with your soul strong. You have to give it time. You have to treat it right for your soul to be at its best. And so what he's saying is you want to have a beautiful soul. Here's some things. It's not wrong to care about fashion. It's not wrong to care about externals, but to make sure you're not neglecting the most important yeah, part, that's and that's your heart. Right. Well, and there's such a tension to it, too, because the, the Bible does talk about, it says, um, athletic training or bottle, like exercise is good. Right. It profits a little bit. Like it's good for a short amount of time. Um, Way too short. It says, 
uh, for a short season, but righteousness brings lasting benefit in everything. For righteousness contains the promise of life for time and eternity. So wow. yeah, yeah, work out. I love working out. It's good for your body. It's good for your heart. It's good for your health. I think it's good for your mind. It's too. good for yeah. I think I when feel I like it does give you a great. Out, I feel like it's mm-hmm. easy for everything to cascade out of control. Totally. Then I'm but like, not just having... give me the honey biscuits. Just get them on over here. Honey <laughs> biscuits. Added honey. Um, but just that's if everything is in that body strengthening basket, um, then you're not, you're not cultivating the inner beauty, the the inner strength, the inner grit that you need. Um, and, and I was just thinking, what does, um, what does it look like to grow? It takes practice in anything as you're learning, as you're growing, as you're in school, it takes practice. And what it, what that means is you're going through the, the resistance and the struggle and the difficulty of life and um, practicing kindness in it, practicing patience. Um, it's one thing I, I tell, I feel like I'm repeating all the time in our house to our kids is use this opportunity to practice patience, practice patience, um, because over time you're going to see the, what that looks like consistent, consistently. And I think that's what's so fun about getting your hair done or your eyelashes done or whatever is that it's an instant gratification. It's an instant like, oh my gosh, I look so amazing. And it was just in a moment. But what, where the inner beauty comes from, it takes time and it takes practice and it takes cultivating wow. and unearthing what God's put inside. But but practicing the things that it takes to be that and gentle, all of those gracious, quiet principles spirit. apply to marriage too. Because mm-hmm. just what you're saying is self care for your heart. That's that's not fast. It's got to be dedication. Chip away at it. Right. You don't go to the gym one time and then be like, man, I'm fit I'm, for I, the rest I, of my life. Great. Never have to it's go like back. It's like that steady. And so the same is true with like your 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 relationship with Jesus the days where you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it that's okay mm-hmm. just just keep showing up and keep that repetition keep worshiping keep fasting keep praying yeah. keep asking for the spirit to give you those gifts keep giving even when it's hard and then one day you're going to look at yourself and go dang i look good right you're <laughs> you're, you're like i look my soul looks good i mean is this uh, when did it happen in the faithfulness Eugene Peterson used to call it a a long obedience in the same direction. It's just that perseverance. It's just, I never quit. It's just, I gave up. I never gave up. When we were were getting hosted by that church uh, pastor the other day, uh, I I said, how'd you end up on the executive team? Because like, I'm on the executive team and blah, blah, blah. I was like, well, how'd that happen? And he goes, I just never quit. (laughs) And one day the pastor turned to me and I was the only one there. So he promoted me. But I think there's to some extent, just just that keep showing up and don't give up. and, And it's just, it's working even when you don't feel like it is. Right. Well, it's that verse that says that although our outward person, our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day by day. So we are getting the wrinkles. We are, it's more difficult as we work out to stay fit. But the beautiful thing is that our inward person is actually being renewed every day, getting better, more beautiful, more stunning, more gorgeous on the inside. And so as it particularly relates to marriage, uh, we have three quick points kind of heading to divide up our time. And and we want to start here. This text tells us clearly that God cares about marriage. Right. Before we ever read what he says about marriage and how to do it, because that's where we're immediately like, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. What do you mean? And we're like, but just stop. Do you realize that how cool it is that God who made the world wrote to you about marriage? Doesn't that tell you, hey, he cares about it? Mm -hmm. He hasn't left you scrambling without instructions. Like I had to fix a, a flat tire on my bike the other day and I needed to go on the company website. How do I get this tire off? And how does this work? And how do I get this back on? Then when I got it back on, it was wobbling and I didn't want to take it to a bike store. 
Ain't nobody got time for that. So I'm like, so I Google, how do you fix wobble and tire? There's a video for that. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Aren't you so grateful? Sometimes our marriages can wobble. And yeah. aren't you thankful that God gave us this book, that he yeah. cares enough about marriage to go, hey, right. just so you know, when it's wobbling and when it's flat and when it's, when it's metal on metal and it's your rim scraping on the ground. Thanks, Eric, for picking me up when I broke down on the side of the road, by the way. <laughs> right? When, when, when that happens, aren't you grateful that God cares enough about marriage to be like, hey, just so you know, here's the letter that tells you what you could do that could cause your marriage to be beautiful. And I just want to just thank God that he cares about marriage. He yeah. invented marriage. He gave marriage to us as a gift. It's a blessing. It's from him. So let's just begin the conversation about it by acknowledging God made it. Therefore, he should be the one to tell us how to use it. That's right. That's so true. And um, for the, maybe for those of us who aren't married and maybe feeling like, oh, I'm just... I'm in, this, I'm in the single boat, I'm half a person, because yeah, God designed marriage for, to make it so that someone wouldn't be alone, but I'm alone. And, and what I want to encourage you with is that you're not half a person. Whoa, when good. you're single, you're not half a person waiting for that person, whoever is out there, to complete you. Jesus is the one who completes you, and he's the one who makes you whole. Um, but you're, until you meet that person, it's not like you're half, and then you're going to be whole one day, but you're whole, you're complete, you're full in Christ right now. Yeah, the teaching of of, of scripture about marriage is that you're supposed to complement each other, right. not complete each other. So Culture good. paints That's this really picture good. of like, you complete me. And when I meet the right one, they're so going to complete me that everything will just be easy. Now, what happens is two <laughs> sinful people that are meant to complement each other, but not equipped to complete each other. Yeah. I don't have the equipment, wherewithal, or hardware to complete Jenny. She has to find that in God. Yeah. Then I can compliment her because I'm going to be strong in some areas where she's weak and vice versa. Right. But when we make the mistake of putting the weight of each other, you got to complete me. Yeah. Then all of a sudden one day it's hard because, hey, honey, marriage is hard. Life is hard. Yeah. It's challenging. Two sinners living together in close proximity all the time. They never go away, right? <laughs> that is... The ret I mean, technically, what you just defined is a cage match. I mean, by, by really, and it can be bloody. I mean, if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's not with the right spirit and if you're looking for them to do something only God can do. Right. If you come into marriage with expectations that this person's your savior and they're then to complete you and fix you and it's make a lot you of pressure. whole. A lot of pressure. And for the single people out there, uh, it makes you feel like you said inadequate and as half a person. But instead, when you see it as this beautiful gift for community, because we were made in the image of God yeah. and God is in perpetual community within the Godhead. This is the mind-blowing part. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he exists in his own personal small group at all times, okay? So <laughs> the need for community and the, the need for what we find in marriage friendship and what hopefully should be happening in small groups and our teams, that's godly relationships, that God put into the heart of us. So mm -hmm. when he said, it's good that I see giraffes together, it's good that I see zebras together, but then all of a sudden he saw Adam and Adam was like, one tear. <laughs> Where's my boo? And God was... <laughs> God was like, it's not good because he's alone. He was made in my image to crave relationship. He doesn't have it. Therefore, I'll launch this rescue operation of bringing the first person to Adam at the world's first wedding so that there could be a complementing and a relationship together. So right. God cares about marriage. Yeah. Well, and even on that, and I'm going to just talk about that a little bit more, but like even on that, it's like God was the one that brought the person to Adam. Like good. he was the one who brought them together. So there isn't that pressure of man, I need to find the right one. I need to find the one who's going to be my soulmate, who's going to be with me for the rest of my life and watch me age. And like, there's, the pressure is off 
because that's God's job. So as you're just loving him and serving him and finding just your satisfaction in Jesus and, and being in the house, like God's timing is so perfect. He's good at being God. He's gonna bring that person to you at the right time. So the pressure is off of you and God knows. So just keep serving and loving and doing what God's that's called you really to do. That's really good he's advice. Gonna do the thing. All right, second point, God cares about your marriage. Yeah. I think sometimes, it, I don't know if you hear it this way, when I hear someone say like, hey, God loves the world, I'm like, that's cool for the world. But then remember like, no, 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 he loves you. Yeah. Not just, so God doesn't just care about marriage in general. He's concerned about the institution of marriage. Okay, yeah, great. He's, God also cares specifically about your marriage. Mm. He cares enough about your relationship. He cares about right now what's hard about your relationship, what's challenging about it, what's beautiful about it. Like Jenny said, if you're single, he cares about your future marriage. God cares about your marriage. What's his goal? For you to thrive in it, yeah. prosper in it, and be blessed by it. Yeah. Right? Don't settle for uh, less than God intends for you to have, for you to mm. walk in. Look, marriage is, is hard, that's for sure. We shouldn't have a rosy optimism about it. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging. That's why we prepare for it. That's why premarital training is so valuable. Yeah. All the preparation on the wedding. What about the marriage? A wedding lasts three hours. A marriage hopefully lasts a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So don't just plan for a beautiful wedding. Plan and prepare for a beautiful marriage. And to wow. do that, you need training. To do that, you need help. To do that, you need resourcing. And so God cares about your marriage, and he wants it to be a source of blessing, a source of thriving. Uh, I mean, read the book of Proverbs and the book of Song of Solomon. It's described, marriage is described as a fine wine. Mm -hmm. It's described as a banquet. It's described as a fortress. It's described, I mean, when, when, I, when I have Jenny on my arm and we're snuggling, watching a show and, and falling asleep and laughing and dreaming, there is nothing like that in the whole world. I want to tell you marriage is awesome. Yeah. It is a gift from God. Right. God wants you to look at your marriage and go, this is amazing. Can you believe this? Can you believe we get to do life together? Can you believe we get to share secrets together? Can you believe mm. we get to dream about the future together? Can, we, you, can you believe we get to raise little world changers together? Can you believe we get to tell people about Jesus together? I'm telling you, marriage is awesome. I'm so thankful for so our thankful marriage. For Honestly. So good. But he not only cares about your marriage, our marriage, he also has a plan for your marriage. Yeah, point number three. Point number three, God has a plan for your marriage. Um, he, like we said, he gave us marriage, but he also gives us the tools that we need so that we can um, grow together and so that we can not just be married, but have an amazing marriage. And that's his heart for us to have a fresh and flourishing marriage, to be a fresh wife, hey. to be a fresh husband. Um, that's God's heart for us. And he has a plan for us. Um, this quote from um, Warren Wearsby, um, it says, if both partners will imitate Jesus Christ in his submission and obedience and his desire to serve, there will be joy and triumph in the home. Mm. There's this, this goal for us to be a picture of, of Christ's love for the church and to be a picture of the gospel for all who see it. That's the goal. That's the plan. And that's why we had you notice the phrase repeated in the same way. Yeah. Wives in the same way. Husbands in the same way. Which way is it? The same way. What's the same way? 
The answer is the context of the end of chapter 2. Right. If you were with us last week, we preached a message that we call for Pete's sake, right? We <laughs> talked about how Peter, at his worst, lived for Pete's sake, for his own sake. But what he learned to do was to do what Jesus did, and that is to live for heaven's sake, right? Don't live for Pete's Come sake. On. Don't live for Levi's sake. Live for heaven's sake. And that's what Jesus yeah. modeled. And that's what 1 Peter chapter 2 says at the very end. If you look at it again, it literally, many people believe it's actually lyrics from an ancient hymn, like the Bruno Mars of the New Testament, right? That it was lyrics <laughs> that had been written to exalt Jesus and about how his spirit was to submit and to not do what Jesus wanted to do even, but to do what his father wanted him to do. Okay, so that's what we ended with as chapter two comes to a close. Now he pivots to relationship, but wants us to keep the image of Jesus being submissive in mind. And he says, wives, just like Jesus, in the same way as Jesus, do what Jesus did. Whatever he did, man, imitate that guy, mm. right? Imitate Jesus as you approach marriage. Then he gets to husbands and he goes, hey, in the same way as Jesus, Jesus yeah. submitted to the Father, so I want you to act. So what Jenny said, quoting Warren Wiersbe, is exactly right. The goal of marriage is two people who are both trying as hard as they can to be like Jesus to each other, yeah. to act like Jesus, to not do things for Levi's sake and for Jenny's sake, but for us both to do things for heaven's sake. Yes, for if God's we will sake. approach so Jesus, and, and both of us, think about it, the, the image of a triangle has been used before. If we're both trying to get to Jesus, we're going to naturally come together because we're both trying to get to the exact same destination. Right. So me just trying to get close to Jenny is not going to be as effective as me trying to get close to Jesus, Jenny trying to get close to Jesus, and guess what? We're going to meet in the middle, y'all. It's a beautiful thing. So good. It is a beautiful thing. Well, and three, three things um, that are for us in marriage, um, three S's, if you'd like to write them down, um, submit, serve, and study. To sub submit to, to Jesus, to submit to your spouse, uh, to serve Jesus, to serve your spouse, to study Jesus, to study your spouse. Um, these are things that we can do um, that's going to beautify our marriage, the inner things that are going to cultivate that, that beauty, that, um, that life, that beautiful life, fresh life living that's going to just come out of our marriage. And those three things not only are perfectly exemplified by Jesus, but I think that they're a key for both of us to approach. Mm. Now, when we see the instruction to wives, we see wives submit. And when he gets down to husbands, you're like, well, we don't, he doesn't actually use the word submit. No, but listen to me very carefully. Both parties in the marriage should make it their goal to submit to each other serve each other, and study each other. Yeah. You're like, I, I need a verse for that. All right, Ephesians 5.22. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Yeah. That's a marriage chapter, Ephesians 5. What's marriage? Marriage is two people submitting to one another. Remember from last week, the word submit is the word hupotasso, which means to rank under. If you rank under someone, you follow their orders. So marriage is me saying to Jenny, I want to do what's in your heart. I want to submit to you. I want to uh, see what's in your heart released. And Jenny doing the same thing to me. If we're both submitting to each other in the fear of God, we're both praying about the decisions that we're making, that's what's going to cause our marriage to thrive. Right. It's not one leader, it's two leaders serving together, seeking to outdo each other in honor and honor Jesus as the head. Now, what if there's a tie? This is a 
tough thing because we've, if we both get a vote, there's only two votes. What, what happens if it's a cat's game? Like, remember the tic-tac-toe? You're like, what do we do now? Right? So we, we both had our vote. We both voted, and it didn't work out. Well, in that situation, the Bible says that the man should be willing to uh, check his heart and make sure his motives are pure and then prayerfully before God uh, exercise the tie-breaking vote. And guess what? 16 almost years of marriage, we've never had one time a situation where I've had to go, you know what, Jenny? We both uh, have different opinions, but I've heard from God, and I'm, we're going to go ahead this way. <laughs> Not a single time. Now, there's been like 300 times I've wanted to do that. <laughs> But it's never been a thing where I hear God so clearly and it's different than what Jenny's saying. When we actually pray about it and we actually seek scripture and we actually get counsel, guess what? We both are like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Neither of us actually want to do that. Let's go ahead. Right? The things that we fight about are the little things. It's right. the selfish things. It's the sinful things. And I think the picture we have in our mind of the submissive wife and the husband who's a leader actually will turn your marriage into basically you being Jabba the Hutt instead of Jesus the Christ, which is what God wow. intends for it to be, where right. you're both serving each other. So good. And, and another part of study, I feel like that is important um, for us is to study um, what Peter says. He says, um, look to the holy women in, um, in the past. He said, this is the way actually that the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. Like they made themselves beautiful by submiss- submitting to their own husbands. Like Sarah who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do the same thing. So if you're studying women in the Bible, Sarah actually has a crazy story. And honestly, looking at her story, you're like, wait, she is a, he's making Sarah an example because she did like, she made some wild decisions on her own. But actually, um, Peter's pointing to her as an example to follow for us as women of honoring her husband. And so one thing for us as women, for all of us actually, is to study examples in the Bible, study examples around us. We, as we're planted in the house, we're surrounded by relationships and we're surrounded by marriages and ones that we can follow and look to and ask, how do you do this? How do you deal with this? And that's so important to study the relationships in our lives, but also to study ourselves. I think this is such a huge thing because um, as we've talked before, when when you come into a marriage, you're bringing in a lot of baggage that maybe you had before you even met the person that that you're married to. And so it's so important, as we've said before, to get the counseling that we need, to get the help that we need so that we're not just continuing to just carry this baggage around with us everywhere we go, but we're actually bringing it to the surface and allowing God to heal it and to bring strength for our future and so that we can be the stronger, best version of ourselves for our spouse. But um, one thing that's helpful that I've been learning for me is when I do um, have a counseling session, um, not taking that right into a date night. And I'm not saying this has ever happened before. I'm speaking for a friend. But, um, but coming into a date night where we're supposed to be like having fun and laughing and enjoying, but I liter- the person literally <laughs> just came from counseling and it's just like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. And it's like, okay, yeah. if I were to just think through, yeah, maybe that isn't the wisest thing. And I um, 
spent some time journaling and just praying and giving what came up to God and then coming into a date night. Like just those kind of things that is going to set your, yourself up to win and set your marriage up to win So you're as not well. just studying each other, which is the goal, but you're also studying yourself. Right. Knowing what it takes for you to be your best. But I think when, I mean, you use the example of Sarah, it's like, Yes, Sarah and Abraham both made mistakes, and yet God honors them as a picture because mm. they continually were following God, even when it was, right. when it was crazy. Right. And she called him master, which if you read other versions, is basically just a designation of honor and respect. Mm. I mean, put it, give, give Sarah some credit. Abraham comes in one day, he's like, I think God wants us to move. And she's like, where are we going? He's like, God says he'll tell us when we get there. And she was like, let's go. I mean, that's unbelievable. And yeah. that spirit, and I, I want to be more like Sarah in that way, like when, and, and Abraham in that way, like when you're like, hey, I feel like God's calling us to this. Oftentimes, like, that's the last thing I want to do. Mm. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm trusting you're hearing God. We're praying about this together. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to stir each other up, to study yourselves, yeah. to know what's, when you're going to be at your best. And also, just to realize your, your partner has weaknesses. Like, and he says that in verse seven, husbands, like figure out where your wife's weak. She's the weaker partner in some ways, but so are you. Mm. Think about it. A Ford is stronger than a Lamborghini in some ways, and a Lamborghini is a lot stronger than a Ford pickup in other ways. If, what, are, what are you doing with it? You hauling bricks? You want the F-150. You want to race across the country? I take the Lambo, y'all. You see what I'm saying? Like, and I, honestly, it's a pretty good illustration. A wife is like a Lamborghini. Come on. And, and, and a, a lot of moving pieces. You know, it's like, I, I, I'll have, a, I could have a counseling appointment where they're like, tell me about the worst, darkest thing you've ever seen or done. I'm like, here it is. Isn't that awful? Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, you want to have sex? Like, it would, it would be completely, complete disconnect. Totally. I would be like, it's date night. How's your day? Oh, it's awful. Oh, it's terrible. Worst day I've ever had, actually. What's for, for, what's for dinner? You know what I mean? Like, there's no bear. How can you talk at a time like this? Look how good that looks. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, to me, I'm like, just load some bricks in the back of the truck and let's go. What's the problem? Right. Where it's like a Lamborghini, there's lots of things. You're going to take that thing off-roading. So your wife is a weaker vessel. She's sophisticated. It's expensive. There's, there's the heated <laughs> steering wheel. All right. You're a Model T, bro. Okay. Really good for lumber. Not so good with the Italian steering, you know, so it's like figure, figure, you're <laughs> figuring so out good. where they're weak and, and where you're strong and how you compensate and calibrate for each other. And if you get on the same team, you become a threat. I mean, it becomes dangerous to the enemy when you got a truck for when you need the truck, you got the Lambo for when you need Lambo. Y'all, we're together. I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. powerful thing. Yeah. And that leads us. That leads us to the first of seven quick takeaway truths as we begin to wind this down. And these all come from verses 8 through 12. Everything we're about to say comes from verses 8 through 12. And it's, by the way, a direct quote, part of it, from Psalm 34, which David wrote on one of the most challenging seasons of his life. Okay? So if your marriage is hard right now, this is especially good for you. And if your life's hard right now, these, are, these feel like the least likely things to help, but so oftentimes that's exactly how it goes, Yeah. right? Because like we were talking about like our kids getting flu shots. Like how is a needle going to help me not get sick? That's, I don't want to get a needle. I'd rather get sick. I'm like, no, no, that's like going to the hospital, get 20 needles. Okay, I'll get the flu shot. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so here's seven things. And the first is act like you're on the same team. That can be real hard to do, huh? Yeah. 
I think sometimes we feel against each other, but the point is that we're, we are actually on the same team, so we gotta act like it. And I think sometimes we've gotta love even when we don't like each other. We gotta commit, we gotta um, act like we're on the same team even when it's hard. And part of that, I think, is, is coaching. And when you're on the same team, when you're against each other, I think there's moments where it's like, okay, I just need to get be the coach for a second and tell Levi that actually I just need you to hold me and I just need you to tell me it's going to be okay. I don't need you to fix it right now. And then I'm the coach and then all of a sudden I'm back in and we're in it and I'm giving him the tools that he needs to fight fair as we're on the same you team. You would never give your opponent in a game the game-winning strategy, but if you're on the same team, you give each other clues. Yeah. And Jenny will do this, and she's really good. Like, we'll be going out. I'm like, I don't understand why you did this, and tell me about it, and didn't you see that that would happen? It didn't happen before? And she's like, actually, just tell me you love me and hug me. I don't need you to say anything. I already know the answer. Just tell me you love me. <laughs> and then she's like, back to Matt. I'm like, come here, give me a hug. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, that's amazing. That's so good. If you tell me what you need, I'll actually be loving, I would love to get it. I just have no clue. Because, right. you know, it's like the Sometimes whole thing. Sometimes I like, don't even know what I need, but I just have to like the most frustrating. I'm like, I don't understand. She's like, I don't understand either. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. At least we're on the same team. But we're on the same team. Yeah. All right, number two, jot it down. Don't retaliate, compensate. Don't retaliate, compensate. You know, the, the reality is some days uh, I'm not the husband I should be to Jenny. And some days, Jenny's not the wife that, that she wishes she were. On those days, it can be tempting to match what she, they're doing and to, to, to reflect back the hostility, reflect back. But the, our goal should actually be, okay, she's not giving grace. I'm going to give twice as much grace. Mm. This is a day where she's weak, so I'm going to be strong. This is a day where we don't need the, the Lamborghini. This is a day we need some F-150, so I'm going to be tough on, the, on behalf of her weakness. You're actually and, good at that, by the way. Thank you so much. Um, and, and I think the goal is to, to, to realize that, that authority to do what you feel is like the ring in Lord of the Rings. It'll turn you to golem. It'll destroy you. But mm. when, you're, when, you, when you feel vindicated for being rude because of what they're doing, I would be justified. That's the most important time to throw that ring in the volcano yeah. and die to yourself a little bit and realize in dying, you're going to find life. In losing your life, you're going to find it. Yeah. Come on, in being last, you're actually going to be first. Yeah. Don't retaliate. Compensate. Compensate. So good. Number three, try on each other's shoes. And this is the idea of just sympathy and realizing that there's, they went through a, a, a day and figuring out um, how can I best like just come alongside and figure out, man, where is he coming from? How can I best serve him? Trying yeah, on his shoes. It can shoes. be so easy in your own life to go, like, don't you know what I'm going through? But then when you stop and go, hey, they're going through it too. Mm. And I think one, one thing that's helped for me is to remember like, hey, it's not easy to be my wife. It's not, we were talking about whiplash the other day and just like I, we, she, she was saying, hey, sometimes you give me whiplash. You know, not because I drive badly, but because it's just like so much intensity. And it really helped me to see that through her eyes. When she was like, hey, you realize that we've been on like 10 planes in the past three weeks and we've had like seven messages and this and this and this dinner and meeting with these people. She goes, sometimes I, 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 it's hard for me to keep up. And it just, it really helped me to see our life through her eyes and to relate to that and to slow down for a second. So I think anything we can do to find common ground and to empathize with each other is going to help the marriage out. And in this, on the next one, bite your tongue, number four, bite your tongue. I could have said it a little nicer when I said that. It was pretty nice. Okay. Um, and number five, because uh, sometimes you just need to hold back and not say everything, um, which right. I'm learning too. Right. Oh, man. How many nights uh, ended up icier than they should have because I didn't just bite my tongue? Totally. Just don't say it. Just, yeah. just don't go there. Look, you have the power in a marriage to hurt each other. 
Yeah. You have you know each other's secrets, and you could say you look. Jenny and I both could could take each other out with a sentence, with a word, because we both know the soft spots. We know the insecurities. We know mm. where the skeletons are buried, guys. Right? I mean, we know in a marriage you've hopefully given each other power to harm you, but you've you're trusting that because of what's written on their soul, they're never going to use that power. Yeah. And and that's where the real life comes. Right. And so biting your tongue so oftentimes is is and the, the Holy Spirit, if you're listening, will yeah. be like, don't say that. <laughs> Then last he has to go tell Timmy's in the well again. <laughs> Timmy. Number five, stay tender. Tender-hearted, merciful, easily moved to sympathy or compassion. Just staying, having that tenderness, that sweetness that was at the beginning. I think sometimes yeah. when you're in it, when you've been in it for a long time, or maybe for not a long time, but you just can go through the motions and not have the... the the passion and excitement of the first time, the first moments that you met. Like, just got to keep it tender and keep it fresh. Yeah, the reality is um, you said it and you flew by it, but it was profound, and I hope you wrote it down, that you can choose to love them even when you don't like them. That's powerful. And that's a, that's a different revelation that you got to ask the Lord to give you because love's a verb. So if love's a noun, then it's just a feeling. And I don't have to love because I don't feel like love or because you're not lovable today. Hmm. But if love becomes a verb, I can love you even when I don't like you. Right. That's a game changer. Yeah. That is a marriage changer. That is a life changer, okay? So now I'm fighting for tenderness so that I can stir up the feelings because I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not. Right. And I, you're really good about this. I mean, she was just talking the other day. Like, remember our wedding? Remember the, the limo? And immediately I remember, <laughs> I remember the weirdest things. I remember standing outside the limo, having to sign the waiver, the limo driver. It was like a sketchy Albuquerque, New Mexico, breaking bad limo company. And he was like, hey, uh, no uh, bodily fluids in the back of the limo. And I was like, oh, bro, good. I don't even want to go in this limo. They didn't have Uber back then. We had no options. Bodily fluids? Now I'm like, I don't want to touch it. Who else has been in here? Oh, my God. It was like, it was like I wanted Germex to rub everywhere, you know. <laughs> But just even talking about it did stir up in me a hatred of limousines <laughs> and and rental tuxedos and, and a greater love for me. Like I don't want to think that lots of other people have lost their virginity in this tuxedo. You oh, know, it's just oh. it's just really broke my heart. You know, but but to fight to stay tender. But nowadays, guys, you could buy a tux like or a oh, suit for it's 100 a hundred bucks. Day. So you get on like H and M and you can buy a tuxedo oh, for a hundred bucks. Handy. For the cost of a rental, you could own your own. Right. And you're the only person who's ever worn it. Right. So just helping you out, guys. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> All right. So uh, that's number five. Number six, look for beauty. Found it. Hmm. Uh, but seriously, <laughs> look for beauty. And, and you're going you're gonna to see more of what you stare at. Right. And you could easily spend your day finding the faults to your spouse, or you can choose to look for the good well, cause and it's find easy. the good. It's easy to find the negative. It's easy because those things yell at you because it's like, oh, my gosh, he's doing that again. Oh, blah. But it's like you have to look. You have to specifically focus and look for the good and look for things that you can encourage. And that's huge. And last but not least, consider yourself. There are days when you need to say hard things to your spouse. This hurts me when you. If you don't do that, you're going to be like a volcano. I mean, it will be Mentos and Diet Coke style, y'all. Right? I mean, it's going to be explosion. So it's not like, oh, yeah, you're so good. I love Jesus. Ugh. Like It's like, no. <laughs> hey, look, 
honey, I need it. And Jenny's really good at saying, hey, this will be, this will be a hard conversation and picking the time right and getting this, the, the situation right. Someone's got, you know, the kids or whatever, we're going to have a hard conversation. So there's time for that. But before you do that, and you would presume to be like, hey, I need you to stop this or this, da, 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 or when you spend this without talking to me, it frustrates me or whatever it is, right? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> when you first consider yourself. Hmm. Jesus said, before you would get a speck out of someone else's eye, just check and see if there's any two by fours planks sticking out of your eye. Now, I don't think he means that your sin's worse than theirs. If you're doing it right, your sins to you should look like a plank because they're so close to you. Yeah. If I had a speck in my eye right now, it would appear to me like a plank if I was looking at it. But if I chose to look past it to her, I would think I could get her plank out. Hmm. But, but the reality is I should consider myself, what, what's, what am I not doing right? How am I letting her down? Before I would ever have the audacity to, to have that conversation with her. That is life-changing marriage yeah. advice right there. Right. So good. Would you pray with us? Has this helped anybody before we pray? Is that all right? Okay. Let's pray. In this moment, I, I know that we... Um, have unearthed a lot for a lot of a lot of us here, and um, in this moment, I just want to pray for any of us here who this message has just hit in a certain way. No matter where you're at, no matter where you are at relationally, in in marriage, um, not married, but you you today just feel like God has spoken something um, precious and special to you and you just want to grow in this area. You want to be the, the fresh wife that God's called you to be. You want to be the strong, um, considerate husband that God's called you to be. You want to be, um, if you're single, the, um, the full person who's fully relying on Jesus and finding um, everything um, in him first. I just want to ask if, if that's you, if you've just um, felt touched by this message in any way that God, you feel like God's speaking to you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Um, Father, I pray for these all across our church, and I'm so thankful, God, that as we open your word, that you are so faithful to speak directly to us. And you're so faithful. Um, you see the things that we struggle with. You see the issues that we um, carry and the, the burdens that we are, are carrying and think that we can handle on our own. But I just pray for each and every one of these who are raising their hand. Lord, that you would remind them right now that you love them and that you've called them to this. As hard as this might be right now, you've called them to it. And you're giving them the necessary um, equipment and resources and strength and power to face these things. I pray that you would equip all of us as we view our spouse, as we um, serve and submit in, in fear of you to our spouse, as we study each other, 